Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. Guys, Monday nights. Any of you, any of you see what happened on Monday night in Houston? Oh yeah. Man, oh man. Guys, I, I, uh, I was flying home and uh, I, I got stuck because snow came in on Tuesday, so I couldn't come home. And some of you are like, what happened Monday night? Um, we are the champions. The University of Michigan won national football championship. I know only two of you care about that, but um, for me, thank you, Kermit. For me, it's a big deal. I, uh, I'm driving home and uh, or flying home and on the plane, I'm singing. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. And I got other people in 23D and 32F were singing it. You know, I get off the plane, people are amazing and blue, and we're like, let's go, you know, and, and we're just high-fiving. And I am feeling my soul is integrated. Like, I feel like so much joy, so much excitement. Um, I have a carry-on, so I don't have to wait. And so, like, I'm, I'm carry-on. I go up, like, uh, if you've been to O'Hare, you can get on this little escalator. There's a little bridge that goes over, like, the little train part. You go to the parking garage. You go down a little floor to, like, um, the White Sox aisle. And um, I, I, I go there, and I show up to my car, and there's a boot on it. And I'm like, wait, what? There's a boot on my car? And so all of the true soul integration quickly disintegrated. And there's a bright orange on, like, sticker on my window, a boot on my tire, and with a number. And so I dial the number, and I said, oh, ma'am, I think there's a mistake. I have a boot on my car. She's like, I don't think it's a mistake if you have a boot on your car. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And um, she's like, well, um, what's, your, what's your name? I tell her my name. What's your, what's your, what's your number uh, or your, your license plate number? I tell her the license plate number. And, um, and she's like, you got a ticket at O'Hare once. I'm like, I did? I, how do you get a ticket at O'Hare? She's like, I don't know. Maybe you parked in two parking. I was like, what? I have no idea. I'm like, how much do I owe you? And she's like, well, you owed us $100. Now you owe us $300. And I'm like, do I pay over the phone? She's like, no, you, you don't. Um, you've got to go back to the airport, get on the train, take the train, then get on a bus, and then walk in the cold. Um, and then we're like a little uh, mobile home in parking lot G. And now I'm like, good Lord, and, and, every, and everything inside me that feels injustice, which just like, because in my mind, I'm thinking, I never got a ticket. And then I'm thinking, if this happened to me, how many other people is it happening to? I'm sorry if you work for the uh, city of Chicago or O'Hare Airport. Just give me a second. So like, I, I get on this train. I don't know where I'm going. I get on a, a shuttle. And I'm like, hey, do you take me to the impound lot? And, you know, and they're like, Oh, you got a boot? I'm like, yeah, I got a boot. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. And so I get out. I got to walk a half a mile. I'm freezing. My shoes are soaking wet. I walk in. There's a little lady. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you. But how did this happen? She's like, you're going to have to call the city of Chicago. I was like, what's their number? I call them. They're like, you have to call us back tomorrow. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I pay. I drive back. The guy unlocks the boot. I drive home. Still have not heard back from the city of Chicago, but that's another message. But I, I have this moment where all of a sudden on the, the bus ride back to the train, back to my car, I was like, how easy it is to feel fully integrated in just in a matter of seconds. 
to just disintegrate. When you're like, how did this happen? I don't deserve this. I don't feel like this. I don't. And so, if some of you weren't here last week, I just want to kind of share with you this whole series and really the first quarter of the year, we're focusing on prayer. The whole kind of series title is Living on a Prayer. I don't know if you've ever seen Cameo. It's where you can like ask certain people to send you a video. You could have to pay them. Well, I went on there to see if John Bon Jovi was there. There wasn't because I was going to have him be like, Four City, where to go? Living on a prayer. But uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't there. Um, but uh, the, whole, the whole idea is through the Shema. And, and we talked about this uh, and this comes out of the book of Deuteronomy. You know, Hero Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And, and we really just, we just talked about this. Like this, this kind of idea of how, that was a terrible Vin Graham. But like this kind of sense of the three connecting. Um, how, how, do we, how do we have the kind of people where heart, mind, and body, and this idea, this is our soul. How does this just continue to take up bigger residency? Because the soul is the fullest expression of you. Self-help books will tell you it's all about the self. And it's like disconnected from the soul. But truly, in biblical language, this, is, this has always been about the soul. We see this. Jesus used the Shema because he was, he was a Jewish rabbi. And, and the Shema was the most central prayer to the Jewish nation. Multiple times a day they would say this. And you see this in chapter 12 of the book of Mark. It'll come up on the screen, verse 29 and 30. It says this, the most important one answered Jesus is this, Shema Israel, Adonai Elohinu, Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength or your body. And, and what we talked about last week is, is, is with the heart, is where the will and the intention is. It's like your, your ability to choose. Uh, the mind. The mind is, is our, our thoughts, our feelings, our conscience. The body. This is like, you know, you, you got your face, your body language, your actions, what you choose to do. And really, the heart of it is that the soul wants to integrate heart, mind, and body. And we talked about this last week, is that sin wants to disintegrate it. Does not want... It wants you to be at, at war with yourself. And maybe some of you have felt that. Your mind's telling you this, and, and you just feel like your body's feeling this. It's just, it often can just feel like disintegration is happening. And so I will say that this past week, I, I have heard from so many of you how last week's message really, really connected. And, and myself and Bria and Leonard, we're going to spend the next three weeks from today really focusing on each one and how important it is to be connected to our heart and our mind and our body. But today, I want to just spend a little bit more time on what I call the vowels of the soul. The vowels of the soul. If you are familiar with like old school phonics, the vowels, A-E-I-O-U, I, I really want us just to have a sense of when I think about how do I allow the soul to be something that can actually be attuned to the heart, the mind, and the body. How, how do you do that? And, and hopefully these words, because they've been beneficial for me, um, as we look through the scriptures, will we'll be able to help you. And then on the corner of every aisle, there is a folder. And we are going to get to that folder towards the end of our service. So if like some of you are sitting there going, like, what's this folder about? What's this all about? We will get to that later. So let's start with Psalms 
103, 1 through 5. We'll read this. I'll read this over us. It says, praise the Lord, my soul. Some translation says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And you have this sense, I think this is one of the most theologically rich chapters in all of the Bible. In Psalm 103, it's unbelievable how deep and real it is. But it starts with, bless the Lord or praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. And it ends with that same line, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. If you want to live where you actually can able to, to live like this, where the soul has so much residency, it starts with, being attuned. And, and, and oftentimes, when I think about obedience, being someone who actually is obedient to the teachings of our rabbi Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, obedience starts first with listening. The word obedience is a combination of two words, to listen and to act. Some people would even say that spiritual maturity is connected to how quickly re you respond to the whispers and the promptings of the Lord. Spiritual immaturity is like, well, maybe, uh, I don't know. But when you can actually be someone who is attuned to the shepherd's voice, someone who can hear God, someone who can actually be aware of what's happening and hear. Some people will say it like this, where you have one ear to heaven, but one ear to what's actually happening within. And for some of us, we know what's happening in here. We can, we can be honest with the disintegration that's happening in here, but we struggle with hearing God. And for some of us, we can hear God, but, but oftentimes we struggle with actually understanding what's happening in us. And when we can be the kind of people who are tuned to what's happening in our heart, in our mind, in our body, a better way to say it is when you are attuned to God's voice and you are attuned to what's happening in you. Because the truth is, in the disintegration, oftentimes something just wants to take control and take over. And the healthiest version of us is that when we can speak for our heart, speak for our mind, speak for our body, what's happening, but not from it. Not where they are actually taking control. I just got to act out. I just got to say this. I just got to go do this. And so many of us, when we can't speak for or be attuned to this is the dream and vision that God has for me, and this is what's happening, and I can be attuned to it. And what you see is in this incredible Psalm 103, and I challenge you to read it this week, just meditate on it. Man, for my inmost being, I know how he rescued me from the pit. I know how he satisfies. Because it's in those moments you can <sighs> exhale. Let's go to the next verse. The next verse that I, I love is from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And it says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. And I, I think for some of us, 
there is a moment where maybe we have had times in our week or times in our day where we are attuned. And I talked to just a second ago about the obedience. But there's also moments where we know what God is asking. And there's something inside of us that's like, no, we will not walk in it. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to not escape. I don't want to not have to sit with what I'm feeling in my heart. I don't want to have to actually bring this before God. And I love in the first song that we sang, it says, I don't fear you because you are safe. And when you actually can sit there and recognize how safe the Lord is, it makes it profoundly easier for us to e-embody. Now, what you see at that, that passage in Jeremiah 6 is look at the, that line, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Think about this. Every single day, there is a path. There is a good way, a buen camino. There is a way at which you can walk where it's actually embodying a place that brings praise and honor. And there's also times when we look and we know the way to go. And yet I know for me, we will not walk in it because I got a boot on my car and I'm ticked. You know, I didn't get my way. Things went longer than they should have. My expectations didn't come to fruition. And it's in that moment for some of us that we struggle. We can maybe be attuned, but we struggle when we see the step that God is asking us to take. We struggle, E, to embody. And I, I love this word because in all of us, if we, if we just have beliefs, but they haven't actually worked through the way that we live our lives, they're, they're just beliefs in a file cabinet. But when they can actually take on flesh and blood, heart and soul, mind and body, when they can actually be embodied in us, people get a clearer view of who the Christ actually is. Let's go to the next verse. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. This is Jesus after what took place at Caesarea Philippi. And, and one of the most incredible stories in all of the scriptures happens at Caesarea Philippi. Because every two years, 100 to 200,000 people would descend on this one place for pagan rituals and festivals to celebrate the God of Pan. And the God of Pan was like half man, half goat. It was like a, a centaur in some ways. And they, they believed that the face of this mountain, there was this water. And they believed that, that this water, they called it the gates of Hades. And, and here, Jesus actually says to Peter, hey, your name no longer is Cephas. I'm calling you Peter because on this rock, I'm going to build this church. And what he's saying here is in the midst of this pagan culture, I'm actually going to build my church. In the midst of all of the brokenness, when we are super healthy and whole and dependent in the midst of culture, that is actually going to be enticing for people. But the problem is, is that for so many, it's actually easier to forfeit that invitation to try and achieve or gain or rise to power or to oppress, or to hurt, or to struggle. And, and, and oftentimes, in many ways, it's a transaction that what we are trying to get, we already have in our soul, but we're trying to use something else to give it to us, and we're literally exchanging what our soul, our life, our bodies, our minds actually need for some stuff. And we can do this in the simplest ways. 
with food. We can do this in the simplest ways with relationships. We can do this in the simplest ways with career, with stuff, with stuff. And Jesus says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I I know I've had moments where I wasn't aware of the ways that I was compromising what my soul needed for a role or the invitation to compromise or the opportunity to compromise. And it's in this passage where Jesus is saying, what good is it? What good is it? And this is, this is where we as the church have to be attuned. We have to embody. Man, we've got to actually, I, integrate. We have to be aware of this. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all of the carrots that the culture and the world will dangle, just, just, just drive this Rivian. And I would love to drive a Rivian. Um, just experience this. Oh, just do this. Just, and I'm not saying this stuff is bad. But what ends up happening is when we need it for our own identity or marker, it changes it. We're exchanging and saying, this is what makes me important or powerful. This role, this title, this bank account, this zip code, this, this, this. And in that, Jesus is saying, what good is it? Because you will drift farther and farther from who you are. And you will think because you have it, you are healthy. But in many ways, you are feeling more and more disintegrated from who you always were. The gift of the Christ follower is that we don't have to forfeit our soul. We can actually just rest in the reality of who we actually are. That the promise of forgiveness, the promise of eternal life, the promise that the God is with us and for us, that no other simple thing is going to be able to be worth our soul and our future. But constantly, daily, in the most little ways, and to sometimes even temptations in the biggest ways, I can feel that just longing to exchange it rather than just work to rest in the true integration that God has for us. Let's go to another verse. It says this in Psalm 23, 1 through 3, one of the greatest passages in all of Scripture. Many of you probably have it memorized or saw it in your grandma's house. Um, but the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Just, just say that. Do you actually believe that? I lack nothing. Like I, I, I have everything I have because I'm so close to my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And I think when we live our lives just trying in the how to live this attuned, embodied, integrated life, it doesn't just happen. You have to be close to the shepherd. You have to come to this moment to say, I lack nothing. Like, and, and, and really when I read Psalm 23, Psalm 23 is an invitation for how you order your life. And what I found is in the deepest, most sincere, the healthiest Christ followers I know, they have a well-ordered soul. Like a well-ordered soul. There's a sense of a tune 
embodied, integrated, but they're ordered. They, they understand, like, in my day, I need times just to stop and be refreshed. If you're familiar with the, the church calendar, the monastic movement, the Desert Fathers, they had something where they would call the daily office and multiple times a day they would stop. This is what happened even with the Shema. Multiple times a day, oftentimes six, nine, 12, three, six, and they would just be on kind of this, this rotation, sitting, remembering, reflecting, because it's so easy for us to get disintegrated, to not be ordered. I want to end with this passage of scripture. But before I do that, I want to just kind of share with you this J.O. quote that I used last week because this is my vision for the first three months. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. And part of what it means to be well-ordered, Dallas Willard would talk about this, and some of you have heard me say this, but it's something called VIM, V-I-M. And VIM is, in his mind, the way to actually well-order your soul. The V is for vision, that everyone needs a vision. There's been seasons in my life, it was Rock Shazak. There's been seasons in my life, a life anchored in Jesus is one that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. There's been different visions. That, that phrase from John Orberg right now is kind of what I'm wanting for my heart in these next three months. I want a vision where I am experiencing the deepest levels of contentment, joy, and confidence in my everyday walk with the Lord. But here's the truth is that many of us, we are more familiar, I talk about this with pastors all the time, they're more familiar with their church's mission and vision statement than they actually have one. Some of, some of my friends in business, they know their company's mission and vision, they just don't even have one for their own spiritual life. And what, what, if, what if every one of us, we had a sense of a vision to say, this is the kind of man or the kind of woman, the kind of person I want to become. Because again, nobody drifts towards holiness. It takes, what Dallas would say, is I, intention. You have to be intentional. And the truth is, is with intention is a battle of the wills. Because every one of us has an impulsive will where the heart or the mind or the body just wants to do what it wants to do. And there's moments where if I see key lime pie, it is very easy for my body to say, you need that. When obviously I don't. And I, I can just, it's key lime pie though. It's key lime pie. And you can see something. I just need to go there. I need to buy that. I need to look at it. I need to do that. You can have these moments. And when you don't have a vision, whatever's in front of you, just seems the most enticing. And it's in those moments, the smallest moments, that we're just forfeiting our soul for this, for that, for this thing. And what Dallas would say is when you have a clear vision, you don't have an impulsive will, you actually have a reflective will where you can, when that moment comes, you can reflect and say, will this actually help me live out, embody my vision. If I want to have deep contentment and joy and confidence in the Lord, when all of these choices are coming at me, will I make a choice reflecting on my vision? Or will I just make something impulsively? And what's underneath 
the impulsive will and the reflective will is the money. And this is what's so beautiful. Is Dallas says it's called the embodied will. And this is the spiritual muscle memory that comes when you make decisions based on your vision or when you choose to make decisions with no vision. So for some of us, we have an embodied muscle memory because the last thing we do before we go to bed and the first thing we do every morning is we check our phone. We just do. Try to not do that for a week and see how you, you, your body just reacts to that. Try to actually say, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to put my phone down at 8 p.m. and I'm not going to look at it after 8. Watch what happens. And the more that you start to do that, though, the more that you realize, I don't need it. It's not actually helpful. I don't, I don't, I don't need it. it. Actually, I'm sleeping better. And what happens is the choices that we make again and again, over and over, they build muscle memory. So the M is the means or the methods, the practices, so that you can actually live out your vision, which takes us to your gray folders. Now, if someone wants to pass those gray folders out, if you don't have one, um, if you want to raise your hand, um, I'll make sure that you get one. Here are some leftovers. Oh, man, do you mind, like, if anyone has extra? Anyone does not have one, just raise your hand. Some of you are like, what is in this? What is in this? If you were here last week, I told you about the doctor's office and a file cabinet. So I went to Office Max or Office Depot off of Roselle and Schomburg and um, got this thing. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Um, and here's, here's what I'm, I'm hoping for. Because what I, what I want you to see is... In a second, we're going to walk through those arrows. But, I, but before we do that, I want to give you the last vowel. And it comes from Psalms. I'm going to read this from Psalm 62. I'll let you guys see this up on the screen. Um, Truly my soul finds rest in God. And I love this. I, I'm just going to stop right there. Before we get, had service today, Bria uh, led our team in just a, a little devotional. And she talked about, man, it's, it's, it's not us who is doing this. It's, 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 it's actually us learning to be still and allow God to go to work on us. This is what it means when your soul can find rest. It, like, it can exhale in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. When your soul is at rest, you are unhurried. You can go slow. You can be present. And Dallas told J.O. and J.O. told John Mark Comer. And John Mark Comer wrote a New York Times bestseller talking about the ruthless elimination of hurry in our life. One of the worst inhibitors or the, the quickest thing that will have us disintegrate is when we are hurrying and in a rush. And what does it mean to actually go slow? Go slow. Which brings it back to you go slow when you have a vision. When you are rushing and scattered and all over the place, you typically don't have a vision and you're looking for some other thing to tell you that you are okay. 
So here's what we're going to do. Can you open up your gray folder? Wow. Look at that. That's artwork, guys. Artwork. Yep, yep, yep. Now here's what I want you to do. If you will, um, on the gray folder, unless you are a doctor or a lawyer, um, would you please write your last name, last name, legibly, doctors and lawyers struggle with that, um, comma, your first name, legibly, okay? Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to get those, and then I'm going to take a picture of it, I'm going to email it back to you, and your folder is going to go in this file cabinet. Now here's why, here's why this is important. Because nobody drifts towards being someone who goes deeper with Jesus. It takes vision. It takes intention. It takes methods and means. And this is why I believe the directions are so beautiful. Because in each of those directions is both an invitation and a challenge. For you to actually live with your soul integrated. So how will you do it? Now, I'm going to give you some time to do this. But think about this. You see the first backwards. Here's what I want you to ask you, and this is what it is. From now until Easter, from now until Easter, so it's about 100 days or so, maybe a little less. I want to ask you, what are you reading in the scriptures? What are you reading? Uh, my, my buddy Ron, he's been reading two commentaries on the book of Revelation. So imagine he's reading the book of Revelation, and he's reading some commentaries. What are you reading and when? For me, it's the Gospels and Psalms. In the next 90 to 100 days, that's what I'm focusing on. The Gospels and Psalms. Just, just reading a couple chapters a day. That's it. But again, if you want to grow where your soul is attuned, embodied, integrated, well-ordered, and unhurried, what are you reading and when? What are you reading and when? You might say, what's the shortest book? It's good. You could say Philemon. Uh, it's one chapter. Jude. What, what, maybe for some of you it's the epistles. I just want to read Ephesians or Philippians. Maybe for some of you it's not even a book, but it's a theme. Maybe you heard Andy talk about joy and you're like, I just want to focus on joy. And maybe you go to Google and go like BibleGateway.com and go, man, it's just joy. I want to, I want to focus on every verse related to joy. But take just a few moments and just ponder and consider where, what, and, and, then, and then also think about when. First thing in the morning, lunch, when are you going to be reading? What and when? And the goal is not perfection. So please, if any of you are like achievers like me, the goal is not perfection. The goal is just like, hey, I'm, I'm putting an anchor in the ground. I'm trying to walk in this way. Let's talk about uh, going forwards. Going forwards is all about life together. That's, that's what our church exists for. But going forwards, it's that second direction, the two arrow, the two lines and an arrow, because the question is, Christianity is not a solo sport. You can't microwave spiritual formation. It takes time. And the real question is, who are you doing life together with? 
and when. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I, I, I don't have that um, right now. That's okay. That's just something to be praying about. I will tell you this, that Leonard and I were chopping, and man, he's, he's kind of running point on H3. He's got a bunch of stuff that he can't wait to kind of unveil for you in the coming um, months. But there's going to be opportunities to connect. But who and when? Uh, for me, um, it's, it's my buddy Tommy, who you met a couple months ago. I check in with him. Um, every other day, we have a phone conversation. Um, and then I've, I've got five mentors that I just, I just regularly meet with. Those, that's kind of been the crew for me. Who and when for you? Third one, upward. This is pursuing God's presence. So the question for pursuing God's presence is how? How are you pursuing God's presence? What? Are you trying to learn that will help you pursue God's presence? For me, it's prayer. I, I would just want to get better at praying. Um, learning to slow it down in my prayers. What about you? How are you pursuing God's presence? What, what, what do you feel like you need to grow in? And that's, that's a wide range. It could be fasting. It could be silence. It could be solitude. It could be Sabbath. What, what, what might that look like for you to say, man, you know what? I'm unaware. I'm often distracted. What's going to help you be attentive and attuned to God's presence? Couple more, couple more, and then we're done. Next one's inward, and this is where we do our our work. None of us have arrived. We are all in process. But what's the part of your soul that you're needing to focus on right now? What's what's something where you just find disintegration happening easily, more easy than maybe you care to admit? Maybe you struggle with patience. Sometimes I just invite people to look at the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I forgot one of them. Kindness and self-control. And, and maybe for one of those, you're like, I, I struggle with that. Maybe that's an inward work that you just want to learn about. Maybe, maybe it's some kind of trauma or heart issue or forgiveness issue. Maybe it requires a mentor or a therapist. Um, I, I meet every Monday at 11 a.m. with my therapist. It's helpful for me to do the inner work. What about for you? What's the inner journey that you're on right now? Is there one? Just take a moment, write it down. And then lastly, outward. You all have spiritual gifts. You've all been graced, uniquely graced by God. In your soul, he put his image within you. 
You have resurrection power that is flowing through. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. I can talk all day about this. But the truth is, how are you taking what you have, this refreshed soul, and using it? And it, it might be a spiritual gift. It might be in serving. Man, this next, I got I to gotta get back to serving. Maybe it might be, I just want to tell people more about my faith. Maybe it's, I, I, I have no idea. Maybe it's you have an idea um, for something that you need to put into play because God gave you that. But you're like, I'm, I'm holding, I'm playing it safe. This is a chance for us to actually go public in some capacity in a brave way that really depends on the Holy Spirit and the Lord. Uh, for me in this season, it, it's been more just focused on um, kind of talking about my faith. If I'm honest, sometimes I get on a plane and I'm, I'm just exhausted. And um, I'm like a little kid that when I hear the jets, I can fall asleep. Um, and I, uh, I've just been sitting next to people just going, gosh, I, I, it's easy just to like, get from point A to point B. People in my neighborhood, trying to connect with them and talk to them. And um, what does that look like for you about going outward? Take a moment, write that down. And if you did this and actually tried to do it, the craziest piece about it is you just created a rule of life. You created a little bit of a vision. You created something to say, hey, these are some stuff I would just want to focus on. Again, perfection's not the goal. It's opening yourself up to the process of spiritual transformation. So here's what I'd love for you to do. If you put your name, last name, comma, first name, you did that. If you wouldn't mind on the very bottom writing your, your email, what I'll do is I will snag a picture of this and email it back to you. Here's another piece to it, why it's so important, is because Bria in our meeting recently, she just keeps talking about care and connection, care and connection, care and connection. It's unbelievable. It's like resonating with me. And deep down, we want to have healthier conversations and connection points with you all. And when we know what you're learning and studying and growing, we get to check in and go, hey, how's that going? How can we help? It's just a way for us to pastor and love and serve you all better. So that all makes sense? Questions? You're like, no, just get me out into negative 13 degree weather right now. Is this, all, is this right there, Ron? It's a, re oh, is it backwards? You just got, oh, I must have, I'm, because it bled through, it must have printed the wrong way. Or upside down. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so on, on brand for me. Um, so uh, any other questions? Any other thoughts? It's, it's all right? It is backwards. Dang it. All right. Oh, yes. Yes, Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, begins in verse 4. Um, and kind of continues through verse 6, 4 through 6, for the Shema, but it will continue on like verse 9 with how to impress it on your children. Yeah, great question. Any other questions? Okay. When you're done with that, 
you can put it into your gray folder. You can put your number two pencils down. And um, we no. Um, and then we will we will use these. And and if you need more time, no worries. Uh, just snag a picture of it, send it to me, and I'll print it out, and that'll be super helpful. So can I say a prayer over you, and then uh, we'll go on our way. God, I want to be able to hear your voice even when it's hard. I want my friends to be able to hear your voice, hear your wisdom, hear your truth, hear your promises. I'm so good at remembering the things I ought to forget, like shame in the past, and forgetting the things I ought to remember, that, that you can refresh the soul. God, I pray that even just these directions, that we would actually just take one step closer to just, not just being attuned, but to actually embodying your work. It takes a decision and it takes time to foster any relationship. And it's through that decision and that time that I think we get to have the potential opportunity to be more integrated rather than disintegrated. So I pray even as we look at our weeks, we, we all have busy jobs and busy lives and all of the things that are coming at us. Some of us have gone through surgery recently. Some of us are watching on Zoom because we can't be here right now. But all of it, what we do have agency on is to well order our soul. I pray that we take that seriously. I pray that it'd be the most serious thing because when we can actually well order our soul, we can choose to actually find rest in you. I pray that we'd be comfortable in the solitude and the silence, be comfortable going slow, and we would be people who are unhurried. And we have just eliminated the rushing, the hustling, the scattering, the chasing, the achieving. But in our spiritual lives, we are just able to exhale. Teach us, Lord, to love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our body, and with all our soul. We love you and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Grace and peace, everyone.